Try the new Diflam Soothing Drops and Immune Support 20 lozenges from Chemist Warehouse. Now only $4.99. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ, it is Monday, hope you've had a great weekend, you've rested, you've recovered and you're ready to rip into another week, December, 5th of December and it's just after 6 o'clock, it's a bit later than normal really, we've had the football coverage live here on SCNZ, we hope you've been enjoying uh, that call, um, keeping you up to date with what's going on in the Football World Cup. France punching their way to the quarterfinals, 3-1 over Poland. So they cemented it. Argentina, oof, that was a tough old one. Couple of mistakes ruining Australia. So they were punched their way 2-1 and then Netherlands. Netherlands taking over the USA. Me and Kempi, well, we're out of the comp, so we're just Done. giving up. Open up our 10 bucks. Morena to you, Kempi. Morena, my vote. <laughs> yep, no, we're done. We're long gone. We're long gone actually watching the replays of Wales and USA. That was probably the best game. I think they drew the first one and that was it. I was out the back door. But, mate, France on a cutter. It looks, um, yeah, by the looks of it, possibly England or Senegal. That game's just about to kick off. So lots of soccer going on. And the boys on ECNZ with their commentary, Dan McCarty, David Choke, doing a good job. Yeah. Um, mm. It's been good watching it though, man. Like all the twists and turns, and you just don't know at the moment. Those those teams, though, when you look at it and break down where it's going, is in the in the you know um, next sixteen, the last eight, the semi-finals, the final. You still got your Portugal's, your Spain's, your France. Yeah. You know the, those teams, the Brazils, are still there. So um, mm. yeah, it'd be interesting to see what what actually pans out over the next couple of uh, couple of days. Those major nation, nations, you did right. They're not having a clash in the round of 16 quarterfinals. Uh, there's a big one, Netherlands-Argentina. They've already booked their, um, that match coming up. France, who will they take on? England or Senegal? Is it coming home? Is the dream still alive? Japan, Croatia, Brazil, South Korea, Morocco. Surprising Morocco taking on Spain and Portugal taken on uh, Switzerland. So you did right, Kempi. Keep up to date and get all your live coverage live here on SCNZ. We're going to talk some football after 7 o'clock too, Kempi. We've got uh, Ben Ransom, Sky Sport UK. Look, there's a couple more games left. Is there any more surprises or hiccups on the cards going forward? We'll hear from Ben Ransom to talk about that. Then we're going to head over to the UK and get an update of where England Rugby Union are at. In the terms of Eddie Jones, 
Chris Four, UK rugby correspondent for the Daily Mail, will join us to, to chat about that situation. Is there going to be a Kiwi taking over? Where do they sit? Are they going to stay at home and uh, give it to one of the locals, the Leicester Tigers? Um, old coach there, he's been coaching England, so his name's just uh, left my, my mind at the moment. But yeah, will we update from him? Tyson Fury. Made easy work of Derek the Watchers or yesterday, Kempe and all things. Uh, looking at a February March fight with Alexander Usyk or even the bad boy Joe Joyce, who everyone's trying to avoid. Mike Coppinger, bo- boxing reporter from ESPN, will join the show to talk about that performance and well, the realistic option. What everyone wants coming next year, mate. Yeah, it was a big weekend of sport, oh. racing as well. Sheamus. Sheamus, yes, Sheamus. Alan's on fire, mate, with his horses at the moment. So, um, scattered on my set. Yeah, you got fillies and mares. Good weekend off. <laughs> well, <laughs> mate, at a, at a, um, I had a little, just a, you know, I got a little kitty there for the for the boys in the Christmas do next mm. Friday. So, I liked one um, running around and packing them on the weekend. So I had a little bit of a, a dabble on that just to pump up our kitty a little bit. So we got a little bit in the. In the back back pocket for the boys, you know, as we take them out next Friday. So, um, yeah, man, it's the, a big big couple of weeks for the old girl too. Cinerama runs around the Philly and Mares uh, race down in Tarapa Group Two this uh, mm. this Saturday. Um, got a call last night from Bruce to see whether or not I wanted to head down to that. So, decide on that uh, later on in the week, and yeah, watch the space. We might. Uh, we might be having a look at something else too later on later on in the month. So uh, lots of racing going on. Of course, Prester Fur got his first Group 1 win uh, yeah. with a Captain Cook. You know, Aegon back running. Um, mate, it's just, it's starting to fine up too as, you know, like, I don't know about you, but yesterday up here, it was steaming the weather. So finally we're getting a little bit of sun coming through. It looks like it's going to sharpen up the tracks for... Uh, for Christmas up here. So, um, yeah, mm. mate, I'm looking forward to it. There's still some good racing to be had between now and the end of the year. Yeah, it's hot as here yesterday, Kempe. She was stinking hot. And I just I fired up my new Barbie. It's barbecue oh, season. We touched on it last week. <laughs> yeah, I put it all together. And I had a wee crack yesterday. I had a, a beef brisket. I uh, marinated it, injected it, put it on the smoker and... I don't know if anyone out there has got a, got a smoker or loves smoking their meat. I've got one of those Oklahoma Joe Broncos, and I've never used it, and it's just too technical for me. But anyway, I tried to do a brisket. It was good. Brisket was okay, probably a little bit too dry, too too fast probably. And then I hung a chick, chick, chicken as well too, Kimpy. So had yeah, a bit boy. of a barbecue yesterday with um, all the kids and, and family. It was stinking hot here, so we were just, uh, chilling, running around, swimming all day. It was um, a good weekend. Good weekend to rest and recover. But I've woken up a little bit, a little bit crook. My son was coughing his guts out last night. I think oh, I no. caught it. Yeah, yeah. Talking about fair, son. fair bit of it going around. Yeah, talk about sons. I actually went and watched a bit of grassroots baseball, mate. My boy, yeah, he, he uh, sent me a text on Friday night. Hey, Dan, playing. We've got a game tomorrow. He's been been uh, going training, playing baseball, and that. So. I said, yeah, man, I'll come out and watch. So I cruised over to Te Aratu and um, my boys out there 
you know, got all decked out in his baseball gear, hitting the balls around. <laughs> it's quite, it was quite fun, mate, watching these guys throwing pitches around. Because eh? you never really see it here in New Zealand. Had their own diamond, mm. had their own diamond. It's pretty impressive. So all, all carved out and stuff like that. And stopped there and watched that and watched a little bit. It was North Shore playing Tauratu. Um, I think they were called the Western something. The boys over over Tat, but yeah, it was pretty 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 interesting. I said to my boy, "Oh, actually, it still looks like the old man could throw a ball around. Son might come to the next training <laughs> session." <laughs> so he's going, "Yeah, Dad, come on then, get down here, old man. Get down here and just shows what you got." <laughs> get my, down there, keep my gun. Hit a couple out of the park. Yeah. <laughs> hey, when you do that, take us a photo. Take us a photo of that pitch, mate. You, I reckon you'd be just on first base. You'd be first base because ain't no one sliding into that first base, I'll tell you. They'll be getting a shoulder to the dome. Anyway, it's uh, 22 past six and it's time for our Can't Wait Question of the Day. Can't Wait Question of the Day. Well, there was a big fight yesterday, and I watched that fight, and uh, look, the fight should have been stopped a hell of a lot earlier than it was. Derek Chisora was getting just jabbed, punched in the head, left, right, and centre, and he's got a beautiful family, so I hope it doesn't have long-term effects. But anyway, our can't-wait question of the day is talking fights. Who is the pound-for-pound number one greatest combat sports athlete of all time? We saw Bam Bam Tuivasa get knocked out in the first round yesterday. Not oh, wasn't that? Yeah, that was a big one. That was a big one. He didn't, didn't last long there. I was hoping for a bit better. But then we had Tyson Fury yesterday. Du Bois coming from, uh, wow, well, getting clipped in the first round to win his um, fight uh, before the Tyson Fury main card. There is plenty. So let us know. Double eight, double three. Who is the pound for pound number one greatest combat sports athlete? Of all time, double eight, double three. We'd love to hear from you. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Yes, welcome back. We're talking fight game, boxing, MMA, whatever, karate, jiu-jitsu. It's been ever uh, some absolute champions around the world in our time and then before us. And now, can't wait question today. Who is the powerful power number one greatest combat sports of all time. A couple of messages coming through. Mark said, Mike Tyson, easy. Love that one, Mark. And then Adrian, Sugar Ray Leonard. Adrian, appreciate your message. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. Kempi, for you, first names that spring to mind. Uh, Ty- Tyson, easy. Tyson, easy. That's, mm. yeah, I grew up with that. I grew up watching that because my old man was mad on boxing. You know, Ali, Foreman, Frazier. Frazier, pound for pound, was just so tough. You know, been the smaller of the three. Um, Sugar A. Leonard up against Thomas Hearns, um, Hagler. You know what I mean? Um, Duran, that, in that that era, mate, that was crazy in that middleweight division. Um, Pacquiao, well, I loved him. Absolutely loved Pacquiao. He got uh, he got hammered in that fight with that knockout. I forgot that, who that who that one was against. That'll come. That name will come to me. But man, I just watch. I don't know if you've seen it. Is on Netflix. That Notorious has just come out about Conor McGregor. Yeah. And I watched I Conor it. McGregor. I watched that. Con- like I didn't watch Notorious, but I'd actually watched Conor McGregor coming through when he first was trying to break mm. in, and they're talking about Conor McGregor. So he followed that whole journey. Mate, I absolutely love Conor McGregor. I think Conor McGregor, mate, the way that <laughs> the way that he carries on, he's a pork chop of the biggest of the biggest calling, mate. But he backs it up. So um, 
Yeah. Mike Tyson, I'd, I'd put mine through the ages. As a kid, it was uh, probably Muhammad Ali. As a as a youth, young bloke, it was probably Mike Tyson. And as an older bloke, man, I love Conor McGregor. <laughs> Kempe, you've, you've stole the words out of my mouth, mate. I've got Conor McGregor there. And I watched Notorious the other day. And my wife was like, what is this rubbish? Turn this <laughs> off. And I said, nah, it's good. And I sat in the lounge and watched the whole thing. She come back and she was like, well, that was a good movie night. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. It was that's a good bloody doco. So yeah, Conor McGregor's on my list. Muhammad Ali, John Jones, pound yep, for pound. He's had the fought for a while. There's a fought for a while. So he's there. Mike Tyson, Lewis, Holyfield. So there's absolutely some champions out of four. But if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to go Conor McGregor too, Kimpy. Oh, I just love his story, his his aura, and what's he going to do? He looks like an absolutely super heavyweight at the moment. He and, does. Uh, he already got – everyone tries to call him out. I don't even know that guy's name yesterday. I don't want to call him a mug. I was just about to call him a mug. He'll probably drop me. But <laughs> that guy yesterday called him out, called him out and said, um, come back and fight him. They all want to fight him because they get paid. That's the only reason. When you've got an athlete or a fighter that draws so many viewers, everyone wants to fight them. Keep them coming. There's a couple there uh, from Chris. John Jones, yes, youngest UFC ever. And then Ed's come through. Sammy Parks won King of the Ring over the weekend, is he? Did he? Sammy Parks plays number nine for the East Coast rugby team. And I went to school with his older brother. And then Sammy Parks was a little cheeky fella at school. Cheeky ears. And then I seen his kickboxing highlights, I was like, wow wee, he can be cheeky because he can fight. He can Cheers back it for up. that update Ed. He can back it up. Yep, Sammy Parks all the way from the East Coast winning King of the Ring. Yeah. No trouble. Good. Keep those. Yeah. <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> Bro, he's, he's just a little small white boy from uh, up the coast and He'll be tuning them all up along the coast here. Oh, good. Keep those messages coming through. Double eight, double three. Who is your pound for pound? Number one greatest combat sports athlete of all time. We're going to shoot off. We'll come back with some headlines with Neeps. Here's Aroha Health News for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. Good morning. It is 6.34 here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Producer Neeps here. What string quarterback would I be? I'd be like sixth string, like college league maybe. <laughs> no, nothing too important. Someone's got to start somewhere, <laughs> Neeps, mate. Just roll through the ranks. Yeah, that's the one, Get bro. first grade spot. Yeah, here's your uh, Bunnings Trade sports update uh, at Bunnings Trade. Helping business is our trade. Uh, we'll stick with the um, combat sports theme, mate. Eh? Uh, New Zealand cruiserweight David Light has um, he earned himself a world title shot over the weekend um, and a split decision victory over the American Branton Galton, uh, Glanton in Florida. Um, it, was a, it was a bit of a tough one. It was, it was an iffy decision, kind of. Um, the judges had it 97-92, 95-94 and 94-95. And um, so he got the mandatory shot at the title, which is really cool. So another Kiwi swinging for a bout, which is awesome to see. Um, and then another one here, the Kepler Challenge run over the weekend. You guys heard of the Kepler Challenge before? Your your family yeah. has something to do with that, eh? Yeah, yeah. No, so uh, this is the reason why I wanted to talk about it, boys, because um, the Kepler, Kepler Challenge it goes back quite a wee way in my family. So my grandfather, Wayne Green, he was um, formerly the uh, principal at Fiordland College down there in Tianau, and him two of his work colleagues wanted to go out for a run one day. So they ran the 60-kilometre loop around the mountain, 
and then eventually more people started to join, more people started to join, and then it became the Kiwi oh, Challenge. How yeah, good, so, yeah, so oh, good. Mum, mum's done 10 of them, Papa's done 20 of them, and then Uncle Mark, who lives over in Australia, he's now one of those weird-ass ultra-marathon runners who does, like, the 100-kilometre ones, but <laughs> no, nah, that, that doesn't run with me, bro. I drink nothing. How many have you done, Neeps? Ah, yeah, I'm thinking about my first, maybe, but... Come on, Neeps, you got to keep it up with the family, mate. Oh, bro, these are biking legs. I cannot run, eh? I cannot run. (laughs) My mate did it. Uh, I saw Brody Kane. Brody Kane, I seen she was um, running it on the weekend. And that guy, was it Sam Jones? Yeah, Sam Jones from Wellington. A hundred of them? Yeah, yeah, he's won five of them now, which is just insane. Like 60 kilometres and then up over this massive track that's supposed to take you two or three days to walk. It's just incredible, man. Wow. Yeah, look, it's... um, You either love it or you don't. <laughs> and and um, running one of those things, I could... Yeah, I don't mind the old walk. The old walk with your wife and, and you know, just chipping away. Three days, having a 60 k's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's, that's great. But that's interesting, Neves, that your family's um, been a huge part of that. Yeah, it's I'm a, a big race. I'm a disappointment, mate. I'm not a runner. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, mate? I know you're a fight supporter. Who's your number one? Oh, that's a hard question. I've been thinking about it. I've I've got three names that instantly popped to my head. Habib Nurmagomedov. He was 29-0, yep. never defeated, barely lost a round. And if he was still fighting yep. today, he would probably still be champion. Uh, George yes, St-Pierre, for, just purely yep. for his career and his... Um, for, for the people that he's fought, he's fought the best of the best, beaten the best of the best, and also come back from losses as well. He's handled a lot of adversity. And then John Jones, just because he's John Jones, you know, he'll go out and party for a week before he's a, his a fight and he'll, he'll, he'll smash you, man. <laughs> oh, mate, what is John Jones doing? He's, he's supposed to be back? back in December. Uh, no, sorry, um, okay. February next year. So uh, it's been lined up. He's going to either fight uh, Francis Ngannou, but he's got his knee issue. So if the knee issue is still playing, and then he'll fight Curtis Blades instead. But February next year. That's a, that's a that's a that's a step up in it against yep. Nagamu. He's yeah. going heavyweight. Yeah. He's going heavyweight. He's, going heavyweight. he's, he's put on some. Okay. Yeah, he's a a, he's put on Bang some booty. Boy. How do you think that will turn out? Like, because you know, um, uh, Nganu, like he's big man, but has he got a ground ground game? Well, we I think... know John Jones is real good on the ground, yeah, well, so if he takes him down, yeah, John Jones did so many rounds with Daniel Cormier on the ground, so he's he's totally fine down there. But Francis Ngannou in his last fight, he took Cyril Garn down, so I don't know. I, I guess uh, the floor's kind of open. John's John's wrestling is definitely better, but Francis Ngannou, man, if he catches you with one hand, you are going to bed. Night mm. night. Good night. night, take him, P. Good oh. night, don't get cheeky. Oh, is that, that, there's um, that talk that. about Tyson Fury fighting him. Yeah, I don't oh, know about that. Yeah. They, they wanted to do yeah. some weird kind of MMA gloves in a boxing ring over. Yeah, it's a weird. I don't think that'll happen. Just oh, cash and grab Mayweather, Mayweather and uh, Connor. Oh, yeah, see, that's, yeah. I think that's probably more doable than Nganu and Fury. Yeah, look at it. Yeah, they will do it, Kimpy, just to raise a few bucks, you know. Put some money in those pockies and a couple of bucks they would have been too. GSP, George St. Pierre's come through from Shane from Auckland's. Mickey Ward, what a legend from Andrew. Plenty superstar names coming through. John Jones for sure, if he could sort out his SH. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, yep, you know what I mean. Out of the ring, he would have been absolutely unstoppable. But don't forget, BJ Penn won two bouts, and he was fighting guys twice the size of it from Tim 
down here in Christchurch. Appreciate it. And Mark, big question, how did Louis get on in his final, Kempe? He lost, eh? He lost the update yesterday. That's right. A couple of goals, Louis said. They they got him in the second half, Mark, with the wind behind their back, the North Shore boys. Haven't lost all year, Louis said. And uh, got him by a couple of goals. So um, gave gave uh, Izzy a big shout-out for the motivational video. Said the, got, got, <laughs> nearly got the boys up there. He's raising his on the phone. <laughs> it wasn't even a motivational um, <laughs> uh, video, Kempe. I was taking the mickey out of them. I was taking the money. So he asked me because they wanted a, a. There was a prize for, you know, the guys that are that are losing their lids. So I just had to do a motivational speak on on what it's felt like when I lost my lid, and then I just at the end of it I take my hat off and go, look at me now, look <laughs> at me now, and then I just start, you know, putting the, my he- my fingers through my hair and stick it out. Look, it's, it wasn't even motivational at all. I was just taking the mickey out of everyone, but just uh, about got him up. Uh, it just got just about got the lads home. Just about got the lads home. And speaking of people getting the lads home, well, we're hopefully going to get someone paid. We're hopefully going to get someone paid a fifty dollar TAB bonus bet because it's that time. It is Quizzy Dag oh eight hundred one five zero eight to eleven. And Ed, your bonus bet's on its way, mate. Be patient there, Ed. Come through. Give it another go. Yeah, go 800 Ed. <laughs> You've had plenty. Don't be greedy, Ed. Anyway, <laughs> give us a call. Quizzy Dag time. This is how you do it. Quizzy Dag, come play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy Dag, come play it. Quiz is on the line. Just one at a time. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you wise. If you're wrong, and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, they come play it. Quizzy, they come play it. 0800 811. Now give us a call. Yes, give us a call. And, well, this fella, he must be paying you in the back room because he's always first, second or third. He's getting the chance every single week. Hey, come on, share it around. Lammy, morning to you. <laughs> oh, morning. Morning, Uncle. Morning, morning Lammy. Hey, anyway, anyway, you motivate me every day anyway to get kicky to you, brother. That's why I wing you up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, bro. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You just want to annoy me, eh? You just want to get yeah, into bro. me. I love it, Lavi. All right, then. Good luck to you. Good luck to you. Here we go. Question number one. Which former Silver Fur captain announced her retirement from Netball on Friday? Oh. What's your name? Rory. Um, oh. Please. Is it? Is it? Uh, oh. Hey, can you give it to me, brother? Rory. Yeah. <laughs> you you had it. You had it. Yeah, <laughs> Katrina Rory. Yeah, that oh, was it. Well done. Question no number two. Chances. Who was the Kiwi... No more chances. Who was the Kiwi motorsport driver who was moving from oh. Formula 2 to IndyCar for 2023? Four, three, two, 
One. Oh, I think he's cut out. Oh, no. Poor Lammy. Oh, 800 Take on the Quizmaster, Tony. Tony from Auckland. Kempi. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> Have you seen the quiz? No, I haven't. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. you're going to have to finish it off. Oh, Tony there. There we go. We just seem to nah. have the lines down Tony's... at the moment. Gives yeah. a crackers. Gives That's... a crack. No surprise. Here we go. Question. Kempi. I'll, get... I'll be the clue master. Who is the Kiwi motorsport driver who is moving from Formula 2 to IndyCar for 2023? Oh, I need a clue. 100%. <laughs> What's the clue? Walking on the moon. Yep. Armstrong. Yep. That's his second name. Give me his first name now. <laughs> um, Lance. <laughs> nah, Lance. Freddy, morning. What are you Oh, Freddy, yes, he's come through. Appreciate it, mate. So Marcus Armstrong was question number two. You go to question number three. Olivia Giroud. Yeah. Olivia Giroud scored his 50-second goal for France this morning to become the country's all-time leading goal scorer. Which player previously held the record? See you, Brett. Appreciate it, mate. Have a good day, brother. Simon from Auckland. How you going? Yes. Good, Si. Good. Oliver, Olivier Gerald scored his 50-second goal for France this morning. Who, which player previously held the record? Uh, Henri. Thierry Henri. Thierry Henri. Well done. 0800. 150811. Take on the Christmas. We've got a couple of tough questions. Might need a few of you to call through. Here we go. Question number four. Who was the Kiwi boxer who was in the title shot for the WBO Cruiserweight World title? What was that? The Kiwi boxer who what, sorry? Who has earned a title shot for the WBO Cruiserweight World title? Um, Don't Google it. Four. David Light? David Light is correct. How did you know that? I don't know. I guess. Oh, Simon, mate. I'm all over you. Here we go. Question number five. The Black Sox finished eighth at the Softball World Cup. Who won this year's title? Four, three, two, one. Was it Argentina? No. wasn't Argentina. Sorry, Simon. Have a good day. Mark from Tauranga. It's, it's, it's just got to time it here on this show. Time it to perfection. You get a chance to win the big bucks. And, well, Mark's going to win the big bucks and win me a multi. Here we go, Mark. More to the More to Mark. Good. Good, Marky. Oh, yeah, Black Sox the, finished eight. Who won it? Aussie won it. Aussie beat Canada. 5-2. To win the title for the second time ever, Aussie, on our home turf. I don't like that. But anyway, one down, Mark. <laughs> He's got it. Old Marky, well done, man. Picking up that $50 yeah. bonus. But who are you, who are you backing, Mark, this week? You got one for us? 
But I actually haven't. And the other two bonus bets that I said I was going to win with both were crap. So uh, I'll put something <laughs> in as well because I've got to I've got to put something into that KDP lead. So. Um, We'll put a, if we put them all together with the team, then we'll, we'll put it on and put something in the kitty. Good man. Beautiful. Beautiful. You're a good man, Marky. We appreciate you coming through, and good luck for that multi. Maybe chuck a little bit of mine if it gets up. No, put it to moving. But anyway, there's a couple of messages there. We'll get to those, and we'll wrap up this hour before we head into a big hour. Back soon. Yes, welcome back, Tony. Tony, Tony. Apples, <laughs> turn your phone off mute. You're the only one that's phone wasn't working or what we thought it was our phone lines, but no, it's obviously your phone. So there you go. What always the heck tomorrow, happened with the phone? He's angry. He's angry. He's like, far yes. out, man. <laughs> Tony Auckland. Well, Tones, you have another go tomorrow, brother. You have another go at the Quizzy Dag. Okay? It's your chance. Take on the Quizmaster every single day and win a $50 TAB bonus bed. Ed? on its way mate so don't you be patient you be patient coming up we're going to talk some football because football world cup is heading into the knockout stages we're in the round of 16 england taking on senegal just after eight o'clock live here on scnz you've got japan croatia brazil south korea morocco spain portugal switzerland and ben ransom He's going to come on after uh, 7 o'clock to talk about the Football World Cup here as part of Sky Sport UK. So we're looking forward to having that. If you've got any questions, double eight, double three. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. Good morning. Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ. It's Monday, the 5th of December. We hope you've had a good weekend. You're rested, you're recovered, ready to hit, uh, rip into the last couple of weeks. Before we go on a break, if you're lucky enough to have a break over summer, Christmas time, the time of giving family food and just rest and recovery. I can't wait to get back to Gizzy and catch up with you, Joe from Gizzy. Appreciate your help yesterday. Joe's a bit of a chef from Gizzy and I asked him how to, um, just how to do this brisket. He gave me a few tips. So I followed that, um, that website, but it's all about the heat. Mm. I'm just getting used to this new tool and... Well, just struggled a bit. So looking forward to getting back there over summer and catching up with Joe. And then also, Joey, I've seen your multi. Oh, unlucky. Again, brother. So close. It was about a 38-leg multi, and he missed by two. So. <laughs> just chop it down oh. a bit, mate. <laughs> just chop it down. Hey, coming up, we're going to talk some rugby. Get over to the UK. Talk to Chris Foy about Eddie Jones. But right now, Kempe, FIFA World Cup. It is at the forefront of our minds we need to talk about it. Yeah, that's right. The knockout stages of the FIFA World Cup are well and truly underway. How good. It's all to play for and there's no room for mistakes as the men are separated from the boys. Earlier today, that great team France advanced through the quarterfinals and coming up soon, England, (laughs) will they be taken at home? Hope to join them when they face Senegal. And to help us discuss the FIFA World Cup is Ben Ransom from Sports UK. Morning, Ben. How are you? Yeah, good morning. As you can imagine, very excited. Uh, not often is it that a World Cup game comes around, a knockout game. So, yeah, we're uh, counting down to kickoff now in this part of the world. Yeah, Ben, it's been an interesting World Cup so far. Is it true? We've just heard that uh, Raheem Sterling has left the squad. Have you got an update on England for us? 
Yeah, well, he's not left the squad as far as I'm aware. He is sitting out of this game. Um, essentially, he's got a family matter to deal with and they've given him leave. So we don't know what that is. That only uh, broke in the last kind of, what, half an hour or so. So that is relatively new news. But what it does mean is that he is not going to be available to play and he's not in the squad to face Senegal in this last 16 game for England tonight. What's the feel like at home? Ben, what's the feel like? Is 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 it all the you got the most passionate uh, football supporters in the world? Are they confident? Is everyone confident the England side has what it takes to to push on into the into the playoffs? I, I mean, look, England football fans are never confident uh, in that sense because we've been waiting <laughs> so long for any actual success. I mean, look, you you probably cast your mind back to the Euros and going into that final against oh, Italy. Um, there was not it. a lot of confidence, even though there is optimism. Um, but look, I think I think really, if you boil it down, England should have enough quality to get past Senegal. That's only man for man, though. When you look at the team and what they've achieved, England getting to the final of the Euros, this is a team that has grown in recent years. They know how to play tournament football. But you've got to say the same can be said for Senegal. And this is where I think the threat and the danger is, in that Senegal went and won the Africa Cup of Nations. They are a group and a team that know how to get through Knockout games, one-off encounters, penalty shootouts. I think they had two penalty shootouts en route to winning that final, including the final itself. So they know how to win tournaments too. And I think that's where Gareth Southgate has obviously decided with his team selection, he's going to be a little bit more circumspect in midfield particularly. Jordan Henderson coming in, I think, is about trying to control the game as much as they possibly can. Are you, are you happy, Ben, with the formation that he's using? Redford out on the left there, Kane in the middle, um, do you think that that's the best shape that the English side have? I think so. I mean, pre-tournament, all of the talk was whether he would go back to playing the 3-4-3, which worked so well in most of the, certainly the latter stages of the European Championships. And before that, it worked really well at the World Cup in Russia in 2018. Um, but it's a bit more negative. England have struggled to create chances, certainly in this calendar year we were pretty poor in a competition called the Nations League, which is this newfangled mm. competition to get rid of way of get rid of friendlies really and give some meaning to them. But it means that you play better opposition. But England really struggled this time around. Um, so going to a back four just frees up the players in front to be a bit more attacking. And we saw that in the first game. Now, admittedly, it was only against Iran who had their own problems at the time. But England played very well there. And then likewise against Wales. I don't think Wales were really in that game at all. So Attacking-wise, it's worked better. There are still a little few question marks over defence. Gareth Southgate, in that run to the final of the Euros, was all about defensive solidity, staying in games, being cute, I think, is his word when it comes to uh, these knockout <laughs> games. But I'm, I'm encouraged to see him stick with the 4-3-3. I think it enables the likes of Saka, Foden, Kane and Bellingham to really get involved. And hopefully, that will be where England can win this game. All right, let's talk about the rest of the tournament, mate, because no doubt you'll be casting your eyes over the next couple of games. Look, there's a couple of surprises in this round of 16 that not many would have predicted, particularly myself and Kempe, because we were out of the sweet stakes. But that's okay. <laughs> Any more upsets that you can potentially see happen, or do you think that just the, the powerhouses will come to fruition and, and soldier on? No, I mean, I think the games we've seen so far have been the most one-sided in terms of the draws, I think, actually. I mean, look, we all expected the Netherlands to beat the USA. That happened. Yep. We all expected Argentina to beat Australia. And although Australia had that fantastic chance at the end, oh. they, they were really brave. 
the Lionel Messi show was in full force, wasn't it? And they came through. And obviously, the one we've just seen, Kylian Mbappe, inspiring France, obviously, to, to get past the fairly average Poland side. Robert Lewandowski, outstanding. Um, so England-Senegal is the first potential slip for one of the big nations. I think England should have enough there. But actually, when you roll into the games to come, I mean, look, Japan, Croatia, I mean, to me, that's a, that's a coin toss. Croatia have been fantastic in recent years, but they're an ageing team. And Japan have been brilliant. I mean, to get out of that group was testament enough to how good they've been. They've, they've, they've already shocked a few, and I don't think they'll be underestimated. I think Morocco, Spain, Spain in some senses are lucky to be through, aren't they? They were at one stage in the end of that group stage, just Costa Rica were actually dumping them out. So, again, they'll have to be a lot better against that Moroccan side. Um, and Portugal, Switzerland, there's no foregone conclusion. I think the only one I'd say is guaranteed. I think Brazil have looked pretty good. I think Richarlison in particular has looked pretty good. And I think that they'll probably have too much for South Korea. Um, but the rest, I'd say, are in the balance. And I would, I would throw the England game into that mix as well. Unless England start well and score early, you can see Senegal causing them some problems. So actually, this is the really intriguing part. We've got teams from all around the world, a contrast of styles, all meshing in this last 16. And actually, at this point in the tournament, it's about as exciting as I can remember a World Cup being. Hey, hey Ben, just touching on that, you've got the Bundesliga, Germany being bailed out. You've got the EPL. You've got all those great players going through it. Obviously, the Serie A and, and the Spanish sides are still on it. And talk, not talking about the South Americans and their, their football as long with the Asia Cups. But what about the A-League down here in Australia and the way the Australians have come through the... That, to that 16. Have, have you seen the effect of the A-League on the World Cup in this tournament? I mean, I, I think that Australian group's done really well because from this part of the world, being brutally honest, not a great deal was expected of that Australia team. Now, that isn't yeah. in any way disrespectful or arrogant. That's just looking at where the players ply their trade and comparing them to where other big nations have been able to uh, call upon players from. I mean, we haven't got as many Aussies, for example, playing in the Premier League as we would have done maybe 10, 15 years ago. There is no Tim Cahill, for example, who this superstar who's doing it in the Premier League on a global stage and then dragging Australia through. Um, <laughs> but as a group, I think they were, they were really well. They obviously went with a game plan, be very organised. And to get out of the group was fantastic. And to do it the way they did too. Because having to win their final two matches was... I mean, that's as much about resilience, mentality, team spirit... Uh, tactical now as anything else so credit to them and yeah I think you, you have to give credit then to the domestic league and the way that's growing and the way that the players technically because watching some of the Argentina game for example that was a game against an absolute giant in terms of not only Argentina the form they bring into the tournament but also Lionel Messi in the form he showed in this tournament as well technical ability and yet at times watching the Aussies kind of play out from the back be brave on the ball, um, I thought was, you know, was a real credit. And that shows how far that team's come. And I think we've seen that in many of the teams. We've seen a lot of what we traditionally say smaller teams come up against bigger, established, uh, historical, strong sides and actually show them that the gap has closed. And that can only be yeah. down to improvement technically, coaching from a young age, academy systems, and also domestic leagues as well. Yeah, I think it's yeah. It comes down to the domestic leagues for sure. We've got the A League down here, and and yeah, I think it's absolutely flying. It's showcasing with Argentina just getting over Australia. If it wasn't for that little mistake by the keeper, which for me, I don't know about you, Ben, 
That is a weird tactical decision there to go kick back to the goal. Every time it happens, I, I get the... Well, I get nervous. I get nervous because you can see yeah. what happens. It just backfires, mate. Absolutely backfires. All right, quickly, before we let you go, let's talk um, Let's talk favourites and let's talk Brazil. Is this Brazil's to lose? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking France. Back of me is thinking France is going to go back and win back-to-back World Cups. Is it Brazil's to, to lose for you? No, I mean, look, I, I think I'm with you. That Brazil have impressed me, don't get me wrong, uh, in the group stages. Mm. Um, but look, France, look, with Mbappe and with that attacking threat, with that experience as well, they look like they're on another level. Um, the curse of the champions has already kind of been diminished because I think it's the last, what, last three mm. or four World Cups where the champions haven't even got out of the group. Um, they've blown that away. They've looked really comfortable. The fact they were able to rest so many players in that final group match and then come back and bring all the big guns back in and, and, and batter Poland like they did in real terms today. They're the real threat. Obviously, from an England point of view, if we get through Senegal, then France away. So you'd like to think England would be the toughest test they'd face. And maybe we could frustrate them a little bit. But in Mbappe, when you've got World Cups are about individual star players. So often, in my, even in my life, so if you think back to the great World Cup winning teams, there's always been an individual that has mm. kind of dragged the yeah. team through in difficult moments. Messi's doing it for Argentina, and Bappe's doing it for France, and that to me says everything. Those two teams, I think, could be on collision course. I thought you were about to say it. Ronaldo's doing it for Portugal. <laughs> I mean, Ronaldo's throwing himself on the floor and winning penalties, if that's what you mean. <laughs> oh, just quickly before we let you go, what's your, what's your take on the Ronaldo situation and the, the astronomical money that has been thrown at him? It is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is rather. I mean, I've obviously, as you know, I'm, I'm based in Manchester, so I've seen a fair amount of him. I covered him returning to Manchester United, the fairy tale return. I've covered that first season when he was all right, and I've covered the last kind of twelve months when he's really gone off the boil. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough situation. He's not the player he was. He still thinks he is in his mind. He's still the greatest player in the world, but that's not true. I mean, even statistically, before he joined Manchester United at Juventus, he actually made Juventus worse when he joined them in, like, in terms of their press, in terms of the, uh, the stats around attacking threat, in terms of the points they won per game. Similar thing happened at Manchester United, so it's a really difficult one to marry up. He's still got a lot of quality in small moments, but for any team to take him is going to be a big gamble, so you can see why it's only teams really in the Middle East specifically Saudi Arabia that are looking at it because a player like that really should be commanding the best teams in the world fighting for his signature. That isn't happening. Yeah, you did right. It's a marketing ploy from Saudi Arabia. Al Nassar, 200-odd million a year. Ridiculous amounts of money. Ben, we appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your thoughts on the Football World Cup. Just want to say it, mate. Hopefully it's coming home. Good luck. Let's hope it's coming home. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Cheers, mate. Oh, funny, funny, funny. Yeah, that's interesting, mate. That he's that money thrown around for crazy Cristiano Ronaldo. It's, it's a joke, isn't it? An absolute joke. Like seven hundred million equates to over three years. Yeah, it's it is honestly filthy money thrown at at um, Cristiano for this time of his career, mate. You'd you'd have to think like that last comment that Ben made about Cristiano and all the best teams fighting over his signature. You'd actually have to think, because he hasn't signed it, that there are a couple of teams in the mix. Mm. 
because you'd be throwing yourself at it. Two, what, this would see his, his career out? He's not going to be playing when he's 50, surely. I think, yeah, look, I think the teams that would sign him, I don't think the teams that are genuine champions contenders would want to sign him. I think it's a bit more of a marketing ploy. Now look at this team. Now Nassar from Saudi Arabia, everyone knows his team. Yeah. Because they're throwing the money out. So they're going to get more recognition, the jersey sales, the ticket sales. The mar- like it's a marketing ploy. 100%. Yeah. Because you just heard from Ben then talking about the stats when he goes to these major teams. He actually uh, brings them down. Yeah. Doesn't add to it. Which I find hard to believe because I'm a Ronaldo fan. But, um, you know. Stats speak volume of what's going on. So, yeah, I don't think any major teams will want to sign him, Kempi. No, and I'm hoping that I'm actually hoping that England get past Senegal this morning because nothing better than England-French game, um, and, and in football oh, especially, uh, in the next one, in the what's that, the quarterfinals. So, um, mate, good, some good football coming up. Look, everyone's picking Brazil's to, it's Brazil's to lose. But um, Mimbi this morning scoring those two goals, see them both. Fantastic, mate. That kid is on fire through this World Cup. So if they do get through England, they got their work cut out against Mimbi up front. Mm. Netherlands, Argentina, France, England, Japan, Brazil, I'm predicting, and then Spain, Portugal, and the other quarterfinals. Some big, big games coming up. And remember, they're live here on SCNZ. Dan McCarty, Dave Choate. Keeping you up to date and bringing you some good chat. Man, I've got some chat, those fellas. Anyway, we'll shoot off. We've got Off the Back Fence with Kempe. Where's Kempe going today? I have to wait and see. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Off the Back Fence with Tony Kemp. How far do you think a marketing department should go to instill passion and energy into home game fans without stepping over the line? Just ask Corey Webster, who on Saturday night dunked the breakers shortly after a marketing ploy designed to fire up fans went belly up. In fact, it was a marketing ploy which shows a complete lack of class, full stop. While the breakers ride high at the top of the table, their admin staff are feeling the heat after high-risk plans smacked them right back in the face when they decided it was worth having a crack at ex-breaker Corey Webster. The Breakers had had on Friday posted on Instagram a billboard with a face of Webster accompanied by an equals sign and a cat emoji. Go figure. And to make things worse, the plan to attack the money of Corey Webster didn't just misfire on court, it also backfired off it with Breakers players vocalising their distaste for the ploy from the breakers. One thing the breakers admin staff will have learnt from this is read the room, stick to the paperwork and let the coaches motivate the team. And the last thing the breakers need if their own franchise sabotaging what could possibly be another championship year. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Ed Kempy, that was so bad. And, mate, they'll be disappointed. Modi Moore's already come out and, and apologised, and heaps of the players actually commented on the Breakers' Instagram post. You think that person who looks after the socials will be getting a bit of a a bit of a, heat, a bit of a bit of a chat uh, today from everyone uh, that is amongst it? You wouldn't want to be that person. Yeah, it's not. It's not nice because obviously Corey Webster uh, has come a time here. He's an absolute champion. He's done so much for the Breakers, the the Tall Blacks. 
And, you know, he's, he's, he is a breaker for life. He's been a part of that team, one of our golden years, plenty of our golden years. And obviously, it towards the end of it, got a bit salty. But, you know, you leave all that behind and and that wasn't, yeah, that just wasn't nice. And as a coach and as a player, you never want to feed the beast. I always talk about it, never feed mm. the beast. Man, well, Corey Webster and and that team, they took it all on. And, uh, and well, they just used it as motivation. Come over to Auckland and took one against the team at home. Yeah. Not ideal. Not ideal. And Corey had an absolute barnstormer too. So, mate, one of the mm. things, are, you know, you you realise when teams are going well, especially is that everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon. And you're best just to keep your, you know, keep keep your nose clean. Like stay out of stay out of any type of um yeah. I, I guess noise that's gonna make make things look bad for your for your club. Now putting that post up there from a player that's come here um, that's been here, sorry, and done so well for the club and as a, as motivation is motivation for who? That was that's my point. Like, who are you trying to motivate? Except you know, I guess trying to be cheeky by saying, "Oh, look, I'm going to come up with this this post, this billboard, and we're going to wind everyone up." Well, if that if that doesn't smack of of, of poor form, I don't know what is. But you know, you, you're dead right. Don't feed the beast. They didn't need that. The breakers they were rolling on a high, yeah. and just like that. Oh, Modi Moore had to come out and just you know take it all back and say sorry for some, for probably the best month of his coaching career, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's yeah, just a lot of learnings when you when you're leading. You know, when you're a team that's been struggling for a very time, it's different. You're in you know different territory when you've been struggling. You're back on top of the world. Everyone's talking you up. You're winning championships. There is a certain philosophy or mantra you've got to live by, and just yeah, like you said, lay, fly under the radar. Don't give them anything. Just give them little bits. Leave it all out there on the court. Never, ever buy into that hype and, and off the field and start believing your own press because it comes back to, to bite you. Yeah, and I don't think any of the players did or any of the coaching staff. It was just a human error in the back room and no doubt they'll be um, fixing that. Fixing that for sure. And uh, there has been plenty that has gone on over the last couple of years that has come back to bit people in the behind. Fishy now with Twitter and the way the world's gone. A couple of comments about 10 years ago. Oh, they're starting to resurface for many out there. So always be wary what you put on social media. Love it. Double eight double three is the text line. Temper bedpost text machine. Keep those messages coming through. A message here regarding football. I'm hoping England can bring it home. But big call, Spain-Senegal final, 1-0 to Spain. Spain winning it, unknown Texas. Spain-Senegal final, Kempe. Wow, we Go and mm. look at the odds on the TAB. That'll be an absolute, what, 20, 30 bucker? <laughs> oh, mate, at least that. Jeez, <laughs> it'll be a lot more than that. Um, yeah, look, I hope, I hope they do get back England because, you know, when England's sort of team – People around the world follow England, eh? They they just mm. the whole drama that they they put that team through up uh, up that side of the world, the northern hemisphere, and then everyone seems to jump on the back and ride them home. So you know, yeah, Senegal are going all right in, in this competition. They've been the I guess the most flamboyant of sides, um, you know, with a coach on the sideline and so forth. But mate, getting down to the we're getting down to the payday. So we'll see the the games tighten up. They're going to start seeing more penny sh- penalty shootouts. Um, it's all about defence now to try and get the teams home. And that's the call, Kempe. 
England fans and supporters will want to not want to go near any penalty shootout because they have they're horrible at them. They are horrible. They have their biggest upsets or their biggest disappointments have come from penalty shootout time. So stay away from the penalty shootout, England, and you'll have us give yourself a big chance. We're going to shoot off. We'll come back with the choices flooring poll and some FIFA World Cup highlights. Before then, here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Good morning. Uh, Neeps here with your half-hour news update. Thanks to Gull, fueling your mission all year round. Uh, pop into your local for some good value fuel. Visit gull.nz. Hey, uh, Kylian Mbappe put an absolute number on Poland this morning. Dropped two goals and even got this one in the 90th minute. Jerem towards Mbappe! Oh, Kylian Mbappe has just gone and done it again. Unstoppable. Out of nothing. The pass from Marcus Turam to the top of the box, escaped the traffic and unleashed it into the top right corner, past the goalkeeper. An absolute god. He's just absolutely killing it for France. And I think he's in a, with a really good shot at winning that Golden Boot Award for the most goals at the World Cup. He's absolutely crushing it. And obviously we're building up to England and Senegal, uh, which is going to be broadcast live on ECNZ uh, with David Cho and Daniel McCarty. So you can tune into that uh, from 7.52 this morning uh, uh, on the SEN app. Nice. Nice, Neeps. Beautiful. He's on fire. Mbappe. Mbappe, two goals, both stunners. Absolutely. Is he going to be the Is he going to be the Golden Boot winner? Mm. Yep. Well, got to get to the final to win that. He'd have my money, Kimby. He's have it. <laughs> yep. Well, you just keep that yeah. for next Friday because you're going to need it. <laughs> hey, and um, should we run away choices flooring pole, lads? Yeah, rip into it, brother. Awesome. Floors for living sale on now at Choices Flooring. Um, lots of drama around in England. Isn't there? Yes. We're going to have a chat with uh, Chris Foy very shortly um, to get a bit more info on it. But I want to know from you, who do you think will be coaching England at the World Cup next year? Is it Eddie Jones? Is it Razor? Is it Warren Gatland? Or maybe Rassi Erasmus, he could change it up and head over over to the (laughs) northern side of the world. (laughs) Where did you get that last one from? Just my creativeness. Is he hung? Is he keen? He could be. No chance. No chance. No way Sia's going to let him go see her. No way. Rassi, yes. There was no chance. Rassi, oh, that's a good chance. Aramus. Erasmus. Doubt it, mate. Doubt it. That would be left field, even though there's talk Eddie Jones, um, is he losing his job this week? Mate, that would be way left field. I'd be I'd be real interested to see if they're gonna if they are gonna and we'll we'll obviously have a chat about that shortly, but if they are gonna let him go, mate, where do they go? Eleven months out from the World Cup. <sighs> well, they'll be chasing Razor. One hundred percent. They'll be chasing Razor hard. Cause uh, Ronan O'Gara has already signed with La, La Rochelle. He's continued his um you know, staying on with them over in the French top fourteen and uh so he's out of the race. Um, so Scotty Ray's raised the genuine option. So New Zealand Rugby, they've got a bit of a predicament on their, on their hands at the moment because he's going to sign off. That's one of our best coaches gone. Is Fozzie going to go past 2023? 
and there's so much uncertainty there. Look, he's going to take us to the World Cup. Whether he stays on or not is the big option. So Razor's holding all the cards here. Razor holds all the cards for New Zealand Rugby and England Rugby Football Union because that is, for both options, the most liable and realistic option, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, he sits there. He obviously he sits. You're dead right. He sits there with a deck of cards in his hands, because you've got the Wales job, you've got the English job, potentially the Australian job. I don't know whether Dave Rennie's safe in that one. And of course, you've got the England and the All Blacks job, and he's sitting there with a full hand, saying, "Right, you know, probably probably on the top of the list of all of those um, candidates, wouldn't you think?" Mm. Oh, mate, that's what I mean. Yeah, he's sitting up there with the Joker card. He can do whatever he wants. He's like, mate, you know that joke card can, it's it's beats trumps all cards. That's him. He's the joker at top, and he's sitting there going, all right, Wales. Well, they're going to chase Warren Gatlin, but then you know, I can probably go there. I could probably go to England. He's on rugby. They don't want to lose him, so they'll be doing everything possible to try and keep him in our backyard. Look, it's a guy that's been shafted so many times now holds all the cards for. Two of the biggest rugby unions in the world. Thing with England, they have got money, and they have got money, technology, resources at their disposal to throw whatever they want at Razor Ray to go over there and, and do what he does. So, yeah, watch this space. Head over to Choices Flooring Pole and let us know your chat, and we're going to head over to the UK, and we're going to talk um, rugby over there with um, Chris Foy, UK rugby correspondent for the Daily Mail, and uh, he'll be on the ground. So he'll have a bit more of an inkling of what's going on and what the conversations are like. And if those conversations with Scott Razor Robinson have taken place, I had an opportunity to go have a barbecue at Razor's yesterday, Kempi, and I would have got all the gravy. But and? then... Um, <laughs> Some mates turned up and um, I couldn't leave, oh. so we had a uh, we had a barbecue at home. That's all good, though. Yeah, that's all good. That's I'll right. I'm pretty sure large. you'll get to. I'm pretty sure you'll get to have a bit of a a bit of a kai with raisin and get all the bully, mate. Hopefully this week because there may be some news coming out later this week. Well, I played golf with uh, Jason Ryan on Friday. Oh yeah, so I got a bit go. of gravy. I've got a bit of gravy that I can't share. Live here on ECNZ. Anyway, we'll shoot off. We'll come back with Chris Foy, UK rugby correspondent for the Daily Mail. Back soon. Good morning. We're 15 away from eight. And the coaching merry-go-round is set to begin with Kiwi Wayne Pivak under immense pressure to keep his job at Wales while Eddie Jones is set to learn his fate as England coach, coach this week after just winning five games this year, Warren Gatlin has been linked to both roles, while Scott Razor Ray Robinson is in the mix to coach England. Joining us to discuss all this is Daily Mail rugby correspondent Chris Foy. Chris, how you doing, bud? Morning, guys. Yeah, good to join you, and it's certainly a busy time. It is a busy time. Just quickly, how have we got to the situation with England? Five games. Is it tactically? Is it technically? Is it just the boys and players are just given up and lost faith in Needy Jones? What is it? They've just made no progress since the World Cup, and and unfortunately, the uh, the bosses at the RFU have had their heads buried in the sand for too long, sort of hoping mm. it would all come right, 
and I think the noises outside the walls have got louder and louder. And uh, a really significant moment was the end of the last game against South Africa when the Twickenham crowd booed the team off. And they are a very patient, loyal fan base. Mm. And when they start turning on the team, I think that the people in the posh seats from the RFU board will have been sort of sitting very uncomfortably listening to that because they've sort of tried to block out the reality of what's been going on, that the results have been poor. There's been no sign of progress, no sign of a game plan, no sign of anything. And they kept being convinced that it will be all right on the night in terms of the World Cup. And I think they're just running out of patience. They finally realised this is not going the way it's supposed to. Hey, Chris, so so today's meant to be D-Day. They've called a meeting. They've called uh, Eddie, Eddie into a, a room. What, what do we expect? Uh, we expect he's going to be sacked. Um, we, uh, it's, it's always sort of quite secretive, these things. The union try and keep it all hush-hush about the exact machinations of the process. I know that some of the players have been asked to give feedback independently of Eddie Jones um, to the RFU about their, their sort of views about the the whole setup, the whole England setup. And And to be honest, he does have a very strong core of loyal senior players who would walk through a fire for Eddie Jones. So, you know, he's got some very loyal sort of guys in that squad who have based their international career on the sort of pathway he's provided for them, and they swear by him. But there's also a bit of unrest amongst the wider squad, I think. And that, so they've had player reviews, and now Eddie Jones has been away in France doing going about his business, looking at hotels and training bases and whatever for the World Cup. He's come back, and now he's due to meet the panel tomorrow who will decide his fate so my understanding is they're going to meet uh tomorrow afternoon he will be in theory allowed to sort of present his case um and then they make a decision and in theory they make a recommendation the chief executive of the rfu bill sweeney then presents to the board of the union on tuesday and they will ratify whatever decision is made oh it's hard to see them Continuing this on, because England five wins this year, and you know I saw that that booing from the home crowd, and we had uh, Will Greenwood on, and he said one of us, you, you get an understanding when people don't mind paying 150 quid for a seat, but then one of the most passionate and loyal supporters goes away and says he'll never go back and watch a game again, then you know something's quite wrong. So who do you want? Who would you love to see? Say it. Tell everyone here down under in New Zealand you want him. Who do you want him to? Who do you want to coach England? Well, if it was up to me, I'd poach your guy, Scott Robertson. Um, <laughs> I don't. Uh, luckily for Kiwis listening, I don't think uh, a I'm not in charge, which is a relief to everyone, and uh, b I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the the sort of assumption in these parts is that they're going to go to Steve Borthwick. Whether or not that happens instantly or whether that happens Mm. down the line and they find a way of sort of staggering the process. Um, Borthwick is seen as the nailed-on favourite. There's a lot of chatter amongst the the rugby establishment here that it's already a done deal and that Leicester have been trying to, you know, interview to replace him for some time. There are players I've spoken to who said that they've heard it's just done, that he's going to be taking over. Now, in theory, it isn't done. And I know that Scott Robertson... Ronan O'Gara and Steve Borthwick all had interviews on the same day last month um, to discuss whether they would be interested and sound them out and and, uh, let the RFU get a feel for each of those three candidates. Since then, Ronan O'Gara has ruled himself out and he's signing a new contract with La Rochelle to stay there Mm. and try and help them win the European Cup again. 
So in theory, it's down to two people. But that was based on appointing someone to take over after the World Cup. Now suddenly they might have to appoint someone to take over on Wednesday. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's obviously a slightly, a slightly different scenario. And, and a personal, just my personal take is, I don't think it's fair to throw either of those front runners for the job straight into an emergency. Personally, mm. I think they should be trying to get a Warren Gatland or someone of that calibre, and there aren't many, to come in and do a caretaker job and allow the person they want to take over after the World Cup to sort of sit in there within the setup, work with him, allow that transition process to take place under a guy who knows exactly how to run a team at this level and, and could get England in shape for a World Cup in reasonably good order and knows what he's talking about in this part of the world um, and then allow the new man to take over. And, and, and yeah, well, the personal view is I would, quite, I would quite like to see Scott Robertson because I just think he would bring a, a breath of fresh air and do something different. But I don't oh, think it's going to go that way. I've been coached by him, and uh, you'll absolutely love his way of thinking. I think the players will really enjoy it. I've, we spoke to Mike Brown, a former fullback for England, and he was with mm. the Barbarians, and he just said, "I will not. I'll go to the RFU and make ensure that Razor Ray doesn't get back on his flight back to New Zealand, and, and stop him in all cases." But you touched on it, Warren Gatlin. So Warren Gatlin's obviously been linked to both roles. Wayne Pivak is under so much pressure there at Wales. Can you see him potentially going back and, and jumping back into the Wales seat? Yeah, it's really interesting, that. Because all of a sudden, I mean, Warren Gatlin's been up here doing uh, commentary, uh, punditry sorry, um, during the mm. autumn internationals. And it's at times been slightly excruciating watching the process and at times fascinating because he's their pitch side with a microphone, and at times has Wayne Pivak coming over and standing next to him to have post-match interviews. And they're sort of asking about the whole issue of the struggle Wales were having, Pivak under pressure. And then he'd go walking off and they'd say, well, Warren, do you fancy it? And of course, he's sort of dodging it and trying not to be put on the spot. It's really strange dynamic when you stood there in that role and everyone's linking you to going back in again. I think... Half of the WIU board were taken back in a heartbeat. He did an incredible job for them, papering over the cracks where they are struggling below the surface, but he managed to make them look pretty presentable to the world and, you know, put up a fight in World Cups and won Grand Slams and so on. The trouble is, I also think that if they've not already done a deal, and I did hear a whisper at the end of last week that it's already almost been sort of lined up by Wales that he will come back in, that's not confirmed. That was a strong rumour. If it's not done, Ooh, if I was the RFU, I, I think he's exactly the guy to do that. Come in, take hold of it. He he took over Wales, and three months after a World Cup disaster, he won them a Grand Slam. So he knows how to turn the team around quickly. He knows what he's doing in this part of the world. We know that the Kiwi view of Warren Gatlin is maybe slightly different in, in rugby circles down there. It's maybe slightly different to here, but here he has a proven track record and... I would trust him to be the right person to do it. And they would then have to find a way of saying, well, if you're picking Borthwick or you're picking Robertson or a another, some other random candidate we haven't got wind of at all, then you've got to integrate him. And it's got to work in that way so that it's slightly seamless. And against all tradition, they don't make a complete figure of it when it comes to succession planning. Beautiful, Chris. We appreciate your time, mate. The Kiwis, eh? Wanted up there in the north. Who would have thought, mate? Who would have thought? Thank you so much for your time, Chris Foy, UK Thank correspondent, rugby for the Daily Mail. Take care, mate. There he is, giving us a little update on what's going on. Who's going to take over Wales, England? Well, 
this week is a big week. We'll shoot off and we'll come back and uh, rip into a couple of messages. Yes, great to talk to Chris Foy regarding uh, Eddie Jones, D-Day, this week. Get an inkling, I think he's gone. I think they're going to make the change, and who is mm. going to be that change? When you think of the Kiwi coaches around the world, Kempe, in some of the biggest rugby unions in the world, you've got Dave Rennie over at Australia, you've got um, Jamie Joseph, Tony Brown at Japan, you've got... Uh, Wales, Wayne Pivak, and now you got Warren Gatlin being linked to that. Mate, you got Kiwi coaches that are in high demand. All over the world. you got Baz McCullum. Baz McCullum there at Pakistan, and just regarding Pakistan, that test has been an absolute doozy. 657 runs in the first innings. Pakistan replied, 5-7 nigh. Well, Baz has dangled the carrot and set them 343 runs to win it. Heading to day five, they are 80 for two. Typical Baz fashion, all out attack. Love it. Hopefully, we'll get a result. Coming up, we're going to talk some boxing with Mike Coppinger out of the UK. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building. Good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast. SCNZ Monday, the 5th of December. And it's just after 8 o'clock. Appreciate you tuning in. Throughout the morning, reacting to a big weekend, and a good weekend it was, especially down here in Otatahi, Christchurch, barbecues hot, and it's that time of the year, the time of the year that I absolutely love. Kempi, just a wee update, Australian Golf Open took place over the weekend, and a couple of Kiwis uh, went, went really well. Josh Geary, Josh Geary won the Charles Tour down here in, in New Zealand, our local provincial golf tour. Well, Josh Geary, sixth place, six under. So yeah, sixth good. place outright. Yeah, he's a champ, mate. He's absolutely really consistent golfer. And uh, he won that, that competition I played and beat me by, uh, I think, 60 shots. So cheers, Josh. Um, but good <laughs> to see you continuing that form on there. And uh, Luke Toomey putting in a solid tournament. He was two under uh, for the for tenth, uh, 18th place. So Luke Toomey. And then Foxy was tied for 38. He shot an even... Um, four rounds, so he ended up on par. Adrian Moronk, 14 under, comfortable winner by five shots over Adam Scott. Adam Scott was second place. Adam Scott, nine under uh, for the tournament. So, yeah, good tournament by the Kiwis and good to see them absolutely uh, flying on the world stage. We're going to talk some uh, boxing shortly, Kempi, because obviously that fight yesterday, Tyson Fury making easy work of Derek Wachizora and uh, we'll obviously set up a big fight that everyone wants to see. Alexander Usyk was ringside yesterday. And I don't know if you've seen the post-match, but they would have had to bleep it a few times because Tyson Fury was calling everyone a sausage, <laughs> called, him, called old Usyk Gappy, and was just calling him every name <laughs> under the sun. Oh, mate, I love him. He's oh, an absolute showman. And Joe Parker with showman. all the posts, mate. You know, backs, mm. backstage before the before the fight and giving us a real insight into what actually happens in Tyson Fury's shed. So, yeah, mate, that's the fight. Everyone wants to see it. I wonder if it's going to happen. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. The Gypsy King remains on top of the world after defeating Derek Chisora via TKO. Fury looks sharp and accurate. Dishing out Chisora an absolute beating before the ref had seen enough. As well as Tyson Fury, Father Time remains undefeated. And even the commentators seem to think that this could be Chisora's last dance. Mike Coppinger is a boxing reporter from ESPN and he joins us this morning. G'day Mike, how you doing? 
Uh, doing great over here. Just watching some American football. Ooh, who are you watching? Uh, we're watching the uh, Washington Commanders and the New York Giants. We're at a, a 13-10 Commanders lead with uh, two minutes left in the second. Ooh, is that your team? The a Commanders yeah, yeah, supporter? Yeah, yeah. Big, big, big Commanders supporter, for better or worse. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really good day of fights yesterday. Nice, mate. Yeah, just quickly, uh, we'll talk some boxing with you. I would love to talk football because I'm a Panthers fan, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll end it there. We'll end that one there. Um, but boxing yesterday, mate, how, how'd, you, how'd you find the fight? Easy result in the end for Fury? Yeah, I mean, it went as expected, although I thought Fury would end it much sooner. I thought, you know, that over that under mm. six and a half rounds was going to hit. And Fury kind of let him hang around, I thought. And he even said afterward that he wanted to get some rounds in. And this is, you know, that's what it was. It was a tune-up fight. A tune-up for Alexander Usyk. I fully expect that fight to get done. And I thought Fury looked great as always. I thought he was pretty sharp. So that so that he tuned himself up. He he gave him an absolute toweling when you when you look at the fight. They could have stopped at any any time after the first bell went. Um, how do you think that's going to go the next fight? Do you, like there's a lot of uh, chatter after the the fight. How do you actually think the next one's going to go? Yeah, first off, uh, I thought the corner was far too brave. You know, for their own fighter, they should have stopped the fight a little bit earlier, and so should the ref. Yeah. But the next mm. fight, I, I really think it'll be Alexander Usyk. I know like they've been in talks for months now, and all indications I hear from sources is that a deal is pretty close for March in Saudi Arabia. That's what I expect. I think it's going to be a massive fight. We have to remember the Saudis, you know, they're throwing a lot of money at sports now. They were prepared to throw $155 million at the proposed Joshua Fury fight uh, two years ago. So, sorry, sorry, last year. And, you know, what, what matters to them is the undisputed championship. So I expect, you know, the money to be there for that, for a real, a real mega fight. And, and what a great lead-up that was yesterday. Usyk was just, you know, he just laughed at him. I don't think he said a word. Yeah. He, he just had that smile there. and Oh, man, I was listening to Fury calling him and his trainer Sausage, Gappy, and then Joe <laughs> Joyce steps up there. So Joe Joyce is in the reckoning after what he did to our man, Joseph Parker. So the heavyweight division is alive. Let, let's talk about the Usyk Fury fight, if it takes place. Who is it better suited to? Who who do you feel like is better suited like? Middleweight, everyone loves to say it. He's a real technical boxer. He'll just jab you all day. But the reach is probably a huge advantage, I'm feeling, for Fury. Yeah, well, Fury's obviously a bigger man because he's bigger than everybody. He's uh, six foot nine, well, in American terms, <laughs> and uh, 270 pounds. He's a massive man. And it's funny to hear him call Usyk a little midget. I mean, Usyk's six foot three, <laughs> 230 pounds. This is a big man. Um, Usyk's a big man, and look, Fury, you have to get Fury the advantage. He's on a great run right now. He's scoring a lot of knockouts with, under Sugar Hill Stewart, that mauling, clubbing style. But Usyk's a fantastic mm. boxer. He has better footwork. He's faster. I, 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 I pick Fury, but I give Usyk a big shot. They, they, these fights, this Joshua, this Joshua and uh, Fury that they all want, Usyk and Fury with all the belts. But what about the other blokes sitting in the in the wings here, just waiting for a fight? And are they too frightened to fight him? Joe Joyce, where does he sit? Yeah, Joe Joyce. I, I think sits. I think he sits in a great position right now. You know that that victory over Joseph Parker that was the best win of Joyce's career. I mean, Parker. Mm-hmm. You know, he's never been stopped before that. He, he went the distance with Joshua. Got a good fight with Andy Ruiz. He was champion, so that's a, that was a huge win. And you know, the thing is, even though Joyce hasn't been boxing professionally for very long, he's already 36 years old, I believe, or 37. So he's got to get going. 
Uh, I would I would hope we're going to see him fight the eventual winner of Fury Usyk if it happens. If not, I doubt we're going to see him go anywhere near Anthony Joshua. Certainly, Joshua coming off two straight losses. But I, I think we see Joseph Parker back in there too. I mean, I, I would love to see Parker get rematches with both Andy Ruiz and Dillian White. I don't see why not. Yeah, it's uh, the the heavyweight division. There is fighters. You got Dillian White, Derek. Derek, let's talk about just quickly about Derek. I, I totally agree. I think he needed to his corner to throw the towel in early. Like he's got kids, and you saw them post match and the friendship that him and Tyson Fury have forged. So that I've really got so much appreciation for how those friends actually went out there and fought the way they did. But Derek, the Chisora, the career that he's had is this that's the end of for Derek? You, you feel? Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Derek Stewart retire. I mean, it's his call. He's the fighter, but, you know, he, he made, I think he made $4 million yesterday, and, you know, certainly he's made a lot of good paydays now, had a very good career. I, I don't see what's left the game. That was, that was a terrible beating. Yeah, it was an absolute terrible, terrible beating. We touched on it last week, Tyson Fury, and we, we talked about boxers, all-time greats. Kempi loves Fury. I love Fury. Uh, but it's hard to compare. Where does, where does Tyson Fury compare for you when you think of boxing and, and, and the fighters that have gone before and uh, that are present? You know, you got to put Fury up with a lot of the best heavyweights of all time. Because, you know, it's hard, it's very, like you said, it's very hard to compare errors. But Tyson is undoubtedly mm. the best of his era. But look, he still has a lot to go. He's 34 years old, and I know he said he was retired, but he's going to fight for a while, I'm sure. Let's be real. This guy loves to fight. He even said <laughs> that he needs it to, to feel to feel good. Um, and when I spoke yeah. to Fury last week, he told me that he's going to fight as long as his body will let him. That's the other concern is, you know, the injuries are mounting right now for him. Elbow surgery coming, he said. He said it's hurt his hand. So we'll see how much longer he fights. But, you know, if he, could be, if he can get a big win over Usyk, Maybe beat him in a rematch. Maybe get a few more wins at heavyweight. You got to be talking about a top ten heavyweight at that point. Uh, we haven't even touched on the bodybuilder, Anthony Joshua. Where does he go now? <laughs> uh, I, I I think Joshua. I think we'll see him fight Dillian White. That's uh, my expectation is that we'll see White and Joshua in April, maybe even April first uh, in London. You know, it's a, it's a good rematch. They, when they fought, I think it was 2015 or so. Joshua hadn't been champion yet. He knocked Dillian White out, but he was hurt in the fight. And White's certainly on the downslope, and so is Joshua. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense for both guys. Beautiful. Well, mate, we appreciate you coming on. Mike Coppinger talking about the boxing. Tyson Fury makes easy work of uh, Derek Chisora yesterday. And we're going to expect, hopefully, a big fight. Saudi Arabia. Just, just quick. What would that purse be? You'd be 150. It would be more than that. Unified, what, yeah, you know, I, yeah, yeah. So if Saudi Arabia does pay 150 million in that range, you know, I would expect the purses to be, I don't know, 60 million, something like that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe more. Must be nice, eh? Must be nice, Tyson Fury. Anyway, he deserves it. He puts all the work in and goes and puts his body on the line, mate. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, all right. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. There he is, Mike Coppinger. Boxing reporter from ESPN talking about Tyson Fury. And uh, it's hard to compare, but, mate, the boxing heavyweight division has been flipped with Anthony Joshua, Kempe. Anthony Joshua, those two fights against Usyk, has just been damning for his reputation. And, and, and as a fighter, he's dropped down the pecking order now. Tyson Fury sitting at the top with Usyk. 
and that fight's about to take place, mate. Ooh. Yeah, and it's and it's lit up in it. The the heavyweight division, Dillian White, Joe Parker still hanging around there. Mm. Um, Joe uh, and Wilder is still there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we didn't even mention that. You've got so many good boxers there at the moment. Chisora, I think, like you said, is he that's it for him. Um, hang those hang those gloves up and let the let the younger blokes go at it. Um, but everyone wants to see. Ursic with those belts get back in the ring, and I'm picking Tyson Fury's next up. Got he's got to be absolutely. Just, yeah, because that was Joshua's downfall. He had the size, but he didn't use his size. Didn't get in there and 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 you know get in there and kind of get close and you know get in and try and pick him apart. Whereas Tyson Fury, he's very mobile for a big man. Got good quick feet. He can move. He can duck. Man, his uppercut is something special. And I was, I saw that yesterday because you think back to Joseph Parker's fight when he knocked out Chisora. It was that uppercut. That uppercut mm. through the gloves and went bang on his nose. And you saw Tyson Fury going back to it yesterday and just picking him apart. And, oh, yeah, oh, I think that fight should have been stopped after the fifth or sixth because his face was absolutely brutal. I closed it up. Uh, yeah. Hmm. And what I loved about that, Kimpy, is I've got so much appreciation because these guys that hang out, WhatsApp each other, are very close friends, and then they go out there and punch each other in the head, and then they go in and have a burger together and sit down, and he's <laughs> hugging Jarek Chisora's kids. It must be hard knowing that you potentially might um, you know, force a little bit of long time, long-term you know, injuries for, for Derek Chisora. Yeah, the game uh, they're in. see eh? the friendships alive. It's a t- oh, it's, it's tough. a tough one. It's a tough one, and you're dead right. There are some really um, cool bonds that are being made through that that boxing game. Uh, whether or not you know Tyson Fury um, can go, I, I think go on and really cement himself as one of the greatest. I think the the biggest one that Mike was picking out there, Coppinger was saying, is just as 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 size the size of the man, six foot nine. You know, weighs weight the weight of an elephant, the speed of a of a gypsy. You know what I mean? Like, just floats around the ring. The difference between him and Joshua is that he is actually a boxer. Joshua's more clunky, robotic. Mm. I'm going to try and knock you out. Whereas, you know, Tyson Fury, when he gets in the ring, man, he can box. And when you're a mm. big man, you can box. Like, look, I everyone says that never. You know, shouldn't even knock Ursic, but but I just can't see him boxing. Tyson, I just can't see it. Mm. Tyson's just, you know, bigger man and better skilled up against the Ursics. Ursics are obviously a freak, but can he do Tyson? My man, I can't see it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting fight. It's the fight that everyone wants to see, Kempi, and we're hearing things that it's just about signed. So looking forward to it. I just want to ask the question, double eight, double three, in the Temper Bed Post text machine, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia and the money that they are spending in sport on sport, you know, you've just had Cristiano Ronaldo, the astronomical amount of money they've offered him to be a part of their club for three years is crazy, mind-boggling. Can't believe it. Now they've taken over the boxing. They're offering $150 million up front for the purse. Saudi Arabia, what's your thoughts? What's your take on them and, the, and the, their influence and their involvement in sport around the world? Are you for it? You see positives from it? Or do you just not understand that it's all about money and political stance from Saudi Arabia? I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on, on the situation that is involved with sport and what they have to offer.
double eight double three or oh eight hundred one five oh eight to eleven on the Kenar Tire phone line. That was Mike Coppinger talking boxing. Tyson Fury, too easy. Joe Parker, what's he going to do? Joe Joyce, well, if he fights Joe Joyce, he won't knock him out. So I don't know if you remember that fight, Kempe. He got punched right there in the cranium in the middle of the skull and didn't even blink and oh, just kept coming. Mate, he was That's like why a, he's a juggernaut. That's right. <laughs> he just kept walking forward. I was going, come on, Joe, come on, Joe. And then, yeah, yeah next minute, he was just out. <laughs> <laughs> mate, it's a, honestly, take your head. Like you just sit there and go, these guys often think about when they get to that right to that rope the first time they hop in it and go, mm. Man, that's it. Once I step through those ropes, there's no going back, you know. <laughs> and at that level, mate, best ever must be the best ever adrenaline rush. Oof. Oh, you ain't getting me in the ring. Tell you that, Kempe. You ain't getting me in the ring. You reckon Paulie Moati will jump in the ring? Yeah, I reckon him and Neeps will go for it. Oh, a bit of fight for life. Paulie Moati from the TAB. We're going to have a wee update because there was plenty happening over the weekend and plenty of races and, well, plenty of you would have got paid. Not me, though. Had a wee break. You know, we'll shoot off. We'll come back with Paulie Moati. Yes, it's time for a TAB Live Update Bet Live and your favourite sports with the TAB app today. Paulie Moati, good morning to you. How was your weekend, mate? Yeah, morning, Lizzie. Morning, Kempe. Morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a good one. Uh, not too bad. Uh, got out. There was a wee bit of sun, plenty of uh, wind or fresh air down here in Wellington. But anyway, plenty of plenty of positive gains for the TAB or what? Oh, I see. This uh, horse Seamus got up at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, we've got plenty of money why. to spend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good day down there, Paulie. The Captain Cook and uh, Preston Ferg in its first uh, Group One. You, you guys, uh, you guys, how to go on that? The B- BGPs didn't jump on that too, did they? Uh, not that I know of. I know we did take a lot of money on Aegon, and of course, oh, yeah. Aegon was one of our one of our boosted horses uh, on Saturday, and I think the uh, bookies boosted Aegon out to two dollars ten uh, on Saturday around that price and uh, many many punters jumped on and it was a nice little battle uh, down the straight at Trentham um, but as you say Tiako, Mark Walker and Paris Defer uh, got up and uh, yeah got his first group one so um, very very nice uh, for connections there I'm just having a look right now uh, England taking on Senegal in the round of 16 at the Football World Cup well, we're about 26 minutes into that game. No score at the moment. Senegal went close about three or four minutes ago. Uh, currently, England, $1.25 to qualify for the next round. Senegal, three twenty-five. Did This just, oh, I don't know about you boys, but this game looks like a nil-nil draw. Uh, written yeah. all over. I, I think, yeah, this game Paulie, goes extra time. what's the draw pain? Yeah. Because England and a draw... No good. They they won't advance if they go to penalty shootout. We know how poor they are when they go to playoffs <laughs> and they're in a penalty shootout. So they won't want to go anywhere near that. But I think you're on to something there. A draw. The draw. Well, just as we speak, the draw's gone from three ten down to two eighty eight. So if, <laughs> it's not me. If you do like the, if you do like the draw, um, I'll get on now because that's only just going to continue to tumble in the longer this game goes without a goal. Um, I also had a look at some of the bets that we've taken on this match so far. 
and there's a lot of confidence around England. We've had two $4,000 bets at $1.50 on England to win this game in the head-to-head market. Um, we've had a two $3,000 bets, one at $1.53, one at $1.50 on England. Uh, the biggest bet so far on Senegal, a $1,000 bet at $6.50, and that was placed just before kickoff this morning. So apart from that bet, it's pretty much one-way traffic in terms of that head-to-head market in the round of 16 game, England-Senegal. Oh, well, he's keen. If he had just held on, it's paying 7 bucks now. You would have had another 500 in your pocket anyway, mate. Good betting. Hey, uh, Paulie, anything else coming up for football that we can head into, mate? Who you thinks? Who, uh, who's your favourite? To take it all out, bud. Oh, I really like the look of France. They, uh, yeah, they have, yeah, for good. mine, they've looked the, the best all-round team so far. They're currently second favourites to win the World Cup with us at five dollars. The Brazilians are a three fifty the favourites, but I think yeah, still a wee bit of value about France at five dollars. Um, if you're looking for maybe a wee bit of a roughy, I thought Argentina were a wee bit scratchy. Maybe Netherlands um, to knock them out in the quarterfinals. Netherlands currently fifteen dollars to win the whole lot. Oof, Netherlands fifteen. I like that. That's five bucks. Five bucks for France to win it. Go back to back, mate. I think I think that's a good shout. Good money on offer there from you, the TAB. They, they just continue to keep on giving, Paulie Moati. Thank you so much for your time, brother. Appreciate it. All good, and, uh, We'll chat to you tomorrow, bud. Yes, we will. Have a good one. Awesome. There he is, TAB Paulie Moati. Promotions in play in hundreds of sports markets. Choose from. Visit tab.co. .nz, please gamble responsibly. R18, Kempi, Seamus, you'd get on? No, I didn't get on, Seamus. Um, I was, I'm like, I'm just chilling out at the moment. I've got yes, that uh, that little kitty for the oh, boys yeah. next Friday, so I only had the one bet uh, that was on a nice little um, ching-ching over in Australia and got up, paid three bucks. Um, so, yeah, just building a little little pot, building a little pot for next Friday when um, when we close up shop and take the boys for a couple of quiet ones. Isn't the SCNZ Christmas party in three days? That's that one, but then the breakfast yeah. show have another one, which you're flying up for next Friday. Don't be late. <laughs> 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 so we've got I've got the Grins Day on Thursday. I'm going to be absolutely dusty on Friday morning. I'm into a breakfast, am I? That's right. Yep. Okay. It's didn't even know that, but thanks for that uh, clarity. That's there, Kempi, I appreciate it. I'll have to change my flight to a bit later and <laughs> and all things looking towards probably cancelling my flight and flying back to Kizzy Saturday. Anyway, we'll <laughs> look forward to that later on in the show. Coming up, we've got our choices, flooring, poll results and a quick love racing update with Neeps. Neeps will give us a wee update. Anyway, you're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Kempi's Warehouse. Great savings every day. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Uh, 27 away from nine here on Izzy and Kempi. 35,000. Oh, yeah. How Full would, house. It would look so good, didn't it? Mate, he had them all standing up. I thought I saw Izzy there too, one time, one time on the stage there. And the mosh pit. Were you up having a dance, Daggy? Was that Billy Joel? Yeah, yeah, he was in. Uh, he was at um, Eden Park yeah. in the weekend, mate. Um, I do, I do the rural show with Andy Thompson, and he was down there at the concert. And he said to me, um, Billy Joel started off, and he said, "I've got some good news and some bad news." 
Uh, the bad news is I haven't recorded any new, new music since 1990. So the good news is you, I'm going to be playing all my old songs that you know and love and then carried on with this concert that way, which is pretty cool. Hey, um, Choices Flooring Pole, um, it's a pretty resounding result that it goes with Razor. You seem to think that Razor is going to be coaching England next year. And uh, with your love, oh, sorry, that's Choices Flooring, Springs Catalogue, um, inspiring savings on carpet, timber, hybrid, luxury vinyl, window furnishings and rugs. That's your Choices Flooring Pole. Then moving on to our Love Racing update, uh, Presti Fur picked up her first Group 1 win in New Zealand at the Captain Cook Stakes in Wellington over the weekend, taking home a cool $300,000. Uh, Mark Walker seems to be going really good at the moment. Kimpy, did you see that race? Yeah, I did see that race, and I, um, I actually texted my mate Bucket um, after the race and said congratulations and, and hope... Hope you heal well, mate. He's just having a little bit of um, some health issues at the moment. Tommy's getting a couple of uh, couple of uh, injuries sorted out, and then he'll be back sweet. He's uh, quite happy. The pockets are full, actually. Three hundred thousand dollars race is a nice one to win. But Prince Fur, I think, on its uh, he had fourteen goes at a Group One and placed in a number of them, but picked up his first one. So good to see Mark Walker's picked up the reins. Uh, off Jamie Richards, and I think uh, his strike rate's probably way up there, just like Jamie's was last year. Oh, wow, that's awesome, Kippy. There you go. Love racing yeah, look, update. Uh, uh, just, just on there, Kippy, do you, you feel like the Tangerine Army will be happy with the, the overall season? Well, if I'm completely honest, I, I follow the Tangerine Army. I, I, I just... They just weren't winning everything like I feel like they have been in the past couple. You know how you get that orange, that tangerine, that those silks, and they just stand out. They're always first, second, first, second. You're like, oh, this is getting a bit boring. Like there's been actually a, a lot of other stables that have been hell of competitive. Yeah, look, I, th- I think Andrew Forsman, especially, um, he's hit the ground running this year and done really well. We'll get yeah. Louis to do a, a numbers. Um, on the Tangerine Army for us, but I think they're right up there. I just don't you think you see Mark Walker as much as you do with Jamie Richards when Jamie Richards was in front of the cameras all the time. You know, good-looking bloke oh, and love talking about the Tangerine. Like, okay. You know, so Ooh, okay. I'm not saying that. But more you know, chilled out. Mark Mark's a pukekohe cabbage, but it's just that he's a bit more chilled <laughs> out. When you look at Priest the Fur, for instance, like he's come home, he's had a number of shots at Group One, and then Mark's he's he's laid him up a week after. Um, been Cinerama last week, and then he goes down to the Captain Cook. Aegon comes back short, a dollar seventy favourite, and storms home over the last hundred metres, beat it by, by half a length. You know what I mean? So, a pretty yeah. big effort from Mark Walker in the, in the sense to get Priester for its first Group One. So, I think they're going as well as they are last year, and I've got a feeling that his strike rate might be a bit better. Okay, I like that. I like that. You've made sense of it. Maybe just a little bit away from the camera. A little bit away from well, you got to you got to you got to remember too the 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 bride was on the on the horse ride a number of them too, wasn't she? So, you know, there was a little bit of a team going around with the the Tangerine Army, whereas Mark has just come back, picked up the reins. He he says things now and then, but uh, I still I still see their colours winning plenty of races. Beautiful, Kempe. Appreciate that. Press the fur winning the Captain Cook a cool three hundred thousand. How good is that? And uh, we touched on it, yep, the Tangerine Army doing what they do. We've touched on the golf. Some Kiwis are flying around uh, the country. We've talked boxing this morning, and Kiwi boxer David Light record goes 20-0 as he becomes the mandatory challenger to the Englishman Lawrence O'Corles, world 
uh, WBO World Title Fight. So there's plenty happening and plenty going on in racing. And uh, we're going to shoot off and we'll come back and we'll rip into some content, some chat about all things sport and an update from Louis. See where he's at. And Joey, well, Joey's having a couple of days off because he's a little bit tired. So we got Ben Francis in the hot seat answering all your phone calls, 0800 on the Kenar Tire phone line. And we've got Neeps pushing all the buttons. So all those tunes, they are Neeps. And, uh, well, he knows what kind of music I play and I like. So keep those drum and bass come, brother. You know, <laughs> shoot off back soon. Yes, welcome back. We're 17 away from nine before we cross over to Rick Dog. That was a bit of sub-focus. How good is that? My son's sick at home. He's right on the couch and I'm dancing. He looks up and he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm dancing, son. Come over here and have a dance. And he just looked at me and went and laid down on the couch and continued watching his rubbish. What is this? Batman. Oh, well, we. YouTube. Don't get them started. They can be. Don't get them started on the YouTube. Hey, just quickly, before we talk about barbecuing, because I had a bit of a, uh, a go at it yesterday, and, well, we had dry, rubbery brisket to eat for dinner, so my wife had to cook up a mushroom sauce just to moisturise it a bit Yum. and just, you know, make it a bit more edible. Was it too bad? I've had those mushrooms. The hardest, great. Piece of, the hardest piece of meat to cook, Kempi. Brisket. Oh, very, very frustrating. But before then, uh, we're going to talk sevens. Uh, just give a wee update. New Zealand sevens, or uh, Blackburn sevens went down to Australia again. Bloody Australia. In the final, 26-19. As their recent uh, some continues uh, ongoing battle with our neighbours, Australia. They, they didn't have Stacey Flula, you got Ruby Tui, you got Sarah Hidden, Portia Woodman, Teresa Fitzpatrick. So they've got some genuine superstars that aren't part of that circuit. But again, Australia went on to win uh, the Dubai Sevens. And the All Black Sevens, uh, they came third, beating USA. And just a quick shout out, Kempi, Kurt Baker. Mm. Kurt Baker, a big name for New Zealand um, Sevens men's team. 47 games, 47 competitions. He's played for the Highlanders, he's played for Manawa 2, he's played for Hawke's Bay. He's been an absolute stalwart for rugby in New Zealand. Taranaki, he has just announced his retirement from uh, the Sevens game. So we appreciate all that you've done, Kurt Baker. And we're going to try and get him on later in the mm. week and have a chat to, to Crut. And, well, he played fullback, I played fullback. Oh, mate, it's a hate playing against him. Man, he had some chat. You know, you watch him. He's the most angriest rug player you ever met. Like but to, like a really nice up. guy off it. Love yeah. talking up. Man, he had a waha on him. Yeah. Absolute waha. And if, if you remember, the most famous thing Kurt ever did, jumping on the shoulders with the with the medal, fully naked, sitting yeah. on one of the lads' shoulders, getting the photos <laughs> <laughs> with the thumbs up, the two thumbs up. Oh, Good lad. So what a career. What a career. It feels like he's been around for forever you know what I mean yeah. so um, to get that news yesterday that he'd, he'd hung the boots up um, mate yeah you just never think it's going to end eh? but then it does and um, yeah time for reflection he's been around he's got he's got plenty of uh, I guess memories to talk about later mm. on and like you said you know one of those guys that you hated hated playing against you know that's he's just a, a dead set competitor 47 tournaments, Olympic silver medalist, two-time Commonwealth Golds, uh, Com Games Golds, two-time World Cup champion, and a silver at a World Cup. So he's been to three World Cups, two uh, Commonwealth Games, and the Olympics. So he's an absolute uh, champion. He's an absolute champion. Kurt Baker, 47 tournaments. Now he has a retirement from New Zealand Sevens. Now back to...
Back to the barbecuing. So yesterday I, I got this um, Oklahoma Joe Bronco big barrel barbecue. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to the meat cooking competition later in the year, so I better sort my sort myself out here. Got a brisket, you know, did everything possible, you know, went on YouTube, Google. Joe from Gizzy actually sent me a link. I appreciate that. Followed it to a T. Sorry about that, my son's coughing in the background. <laughs> Hello. Everyone in New Zealand doesn't want to hear you cough, bud. Calm down. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I cooked it to a T, but still... Seven hours, 250 Fahrenheit, um, you know, and just didn't even come close. It was dry, it was hard, and I still overdone it. So what is it? What am I doing so wrong? I injected it. Yeah, I wrapped it after after half of the time. Four hours, I wrapped it. Still dry. So I went and did a chicken, and well, the chicken wasn't even cooked by the time we started eating, so I've got a whole cooked chicken in there that was about an hour and a half late. So I'm just still learning, Kimpy. Still learning. You ever done a brisket? Uh, yeah, I don't mind cooking um, big pieces of meat. I, I haven't got a you know fancy fang-doogle thing like you've got. i just got the old boil-up Weber. Um, would you put the coals in and stuff like that, but... Yeah, mate. There's lots of ways to do it. Um, you know, making sure you you keep a little bit of water in it. The heat's a big one. Like, don't burn it. Heat. Yeah. You get the heat wrong. Um, and guys are always taking it off and basting it down to keep the moist in it. Um, wrapping it up in tin foil. You know, to get that juice back in it. Did you wrap it back up? Yep. Yep. Yeah, you I wrapped all, it. You done all that? Yeah, I wrapped it. I wrapped it. Oh, Jace Ryan's come through. Seven hours, not long enough, Dag. Twelve, low and slow. So Jace Ryan's listening. Yeah, yeah, Jace, we get it. You love a piece of meat and you're good at it. Well, I didn't. He does. If it had went for 12 hours, Jace, if it had went for 12 hours, this thing would have been rubber ass. Like, it would have turned into a little piece of rubber. Like, I did seven hours and, yeah, too quick. So low and slow. But the temperature gauge said 250. Mm. It's obviously... A smaller piece of meat for two fifty seven hours. Uh, I just oh, yeah. two fifty is pretty hot. Maybe. You know, mm. two fifty is pretty the, hot. That's what Google said. <laughs> sometimes you just sometimes Google Mister Google isn't a good cook. You just have to have a feel mm. for it, mate. You know, work, work yourself um, work yourself how to do that. Just to, just to give you an update in the in the extra time of the first half, England scored two goals, mate. They're two 0 up at half time. Just like that. Are they? So as we've been wow. talking, they've gone bang, bang, and Senegal find themselves going to halftime 2-0. But back to the back to the Weber, <laughs> mate, I, I do think you need to, if you really want, see, there's something that, I never knew this, but apparently there's something that happens to the meat after you cook it for so long. And it's mm. sort of, you know, when you get that rubber part, is that you haven't cooked it long enough. So something, some chemical reaction happens to the meat, and then it gets really soft at a certain stage of the cooking. So... It's about putting all of that together. I don't know the terms you d- that you do for it um, or the terms you use for it, but sometimes you have to baste it. Sometimes you have to put it back in tinfoil. Um, but definitely, if you get your timing wrong, you do pull it out and it's like rubber. You haven't left it in there long enough. That's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'll give, I've got one more there, Jace Ryan. 
He says, you've always been in a hurry, haven't you? <laughs> you be quiet back there, mate. You only do steaks. You don't know how to do the big boy stuff. A couple of messages coming through. Gee, is he country clueless now? Cuisine clueless. <laughs> Pop around to mine, and I'll give you a few tips on the barbecue. Kenny, well, I need a, I need a few tips. This thing is real cool. You hang your ribs, you... You hang your chickens. It's a cool little device. I'll send you a photo, Kippy. It's pretty awesome. But just first outing, uh, did it all wrong and had a rubbery brisket. Well, I've got one more brisket in the freezer and I'll give it another go. Low and slow. Getting the temperature all done. Well, Kippy, you obviously... You, yes. know to, you know how to cook a barbecue, but you know how to eat lollies too, mate. What have you found there? <laughs> yeah, I just like to apologise to Kirst. You didn't hide them far enough behind the, I think it's the sorbent <laughs> tissues here. Um, but found your, your, your fruit burst, they're all gone. <laughs> it's oh, been a great why? show this morning. Um, I can hear myself chewing in my headphones. I'm going, geez, I hope people aren't hearing me go chewing yeah, on those Yeah, I can hear it. I can hear it. Can you hear Kimpy chewing? Can you hear Kimpy chewing? Double eight, double three. Because I can hear him going, yeah, talking about meat, and he's chewing on lollies. Kimpy. Oh, wow. I, I can see you laughing. I was thinking, oh, he spotted me eating those lollies. Hey, poor oh. Kirsty, Lewis. Oh, she did too. It was, it was tucked down behind. Oh, because I come in and talk. You know, the thing when you're coming on a Monday morning is you get everyone in here yeah. on the weekend and they're not, you know, as tidy as I am. So I walk around and tidy and put everyone's papers in the rubbish and all that sort of stuff and tighten up the chemist warehouse stand here. And, oh, what's that behind there? Oh, okay. That's not tucked down there far enough. <laughs> Pulled it out. Yeah, I, was, I just thought, I'll just have one. Next minute, all gone. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kevin, you found Kirsty's lollies. Oh, Andy, yeah, it was two two fifty Fahrenheit. It was two fifty Fahrenheit was what they said, not degrees. They would have cooked it like in, a, in half an hour. It wouldn't have been great. It was two fifty Fahrenheit. I had that right, lads. It's a it's a little device. I'll send you the Twitter. But anyway, any of your texts to come through and help me will be very much appreciated. Joe from Gizzy, he knows how to cook. He's been giving me a lending hand, but. Jace Ryan, well, he's just pointing fingers. He ain't helping do anything. So you just sit over there in your cheap seats there. Jace, appreciate it. Anyway, <laughs> Kempi, you've eaten the whole bag. That's Man, gone. you gone, are. Mate. They're gone. Oh, I'm going to have to ring up Kirsty and tell her. She'll be listening, you know. She'll be tuning. She'll be having to sleep. And she was at Billy Joel rocking it out with her fiance there. So beautiful. Anyway, we'll shoot off. We'll come back and wrap up and have a catch up with Rick Dog.